Amen. Good morning. How we doing? What a good start to uh, to a morning, just to be able to be together um, and to to get to experience uh, worship together. Joy, I was just thinking about this. I can't imagine like what it's like to be in the middle of your two girls uh, while both of them are proclaiming he'll see you through. Like, oh golly. Um, so amazing, amazing morning, amazing start just to get to, just to, get to celebrate with him. But also hear uh, from our kids and the things that God has been doing in their lives over uh, this past week. Uh, my girls had an absolute blast and, uh, and learned so much. So I'll just say thanks to, the, to our, uh, our kids' ministry for, um, for hosting, for, um, uh, for just desiring to lead our kids deeper into truth. Um, y'all, when they talk, I don't know if y'all knew this, but when they're talking about the swords, they're talking about the scripture that they have memorized this past week. So when somebody says <clears throat> 40 swords, that is absolutely unbelievable. And I believe that that's what we're talking about um, this morning. And so what an uh, absolutely incredible way to start. I don't know if that doesn't, like getting to hear from our kids and getting to worship this morning, if that doesn't uh, get you fired up, I'm thinking maybe the book of Haggai will. Um, thanks, guys. Um, uh, no, it's, it's really good. It's really good. The things that God's been doing in me through this the past uh, couple weeks uh, has been really, really challenging. So over the last couple weeks, we've been in the series called Come Back to Me. Um, we've been studying the minor prophets, walking through the minor prophets of the Old Testament. Last week, Matt taught, walked us through the book of Habakkuk. Um, he kind of walked us through and gave us this progression uh, that we see in the story of Habakkuk. He talked about how faith wavers. Um, so Habakkuk had this moment where his faith wavered. And then he talked about how faith walks. Faith walks alongside, even though it's hard to see the end, even though we can't see the end. Even though our faith is wavering, it walks. And then at the end, faith worships uh, our God. And so today we turn our focus to the prophet Haggai. Now, I'm going to take a guess here and say that there's probably not a lot of us in here who have found ourselves at a Bible study of an in-depth look at the book of Haggai. Is that pretty safe to say? Has anybody like signed up for a men's study, a women's study, and then you are in the two chapters of the minor prophet Haggai? Anybody? That's what I was thinking. Okay, that's exactly what I thought. So, um, so we find ourselves in uh, these two chapters this morning, I actually asked um, one person, I won't name names, but I asked one person, hey, uh, when I was first starting this, when Craig asked me to teach uh, on Haggai, I was like, Haggai, I think that's the book that like when you read through the Bible for a year, you get excited because you knock a book out in a day, you know, it's like you read through it in, in one day. And I asked this person, hey, listen, I'm, I'm preaching on this, like what do you know about uh, the book of Haggai? And uh, they looked at me and they were like, you know, I, I really, I don't know much and actually, is that really a book of the Bible? I, don't, I didn't, didn't, even, didn't even know that. So um, i got to find some new friends. Uh, but we haven't, we haven't heard much, um, uh, uh, though we haven't heard much about this book, we haven't spent much time studying, I think you're going to be shocked, uh, at least I was too, at the rich truth um, that we find that the prophet brings to God's people um, and to us. And so here's my question for us today. I want you to consider this. And I want you to also hear that this is not a question. I don't believe God asked this question or, or speaks to the pre people through the prophet Haggai out of guilt. So this is not a question out of guilt. It is a reminder for us. If anything, I want you to walk out of here this morning with a reminder of where the presence of God dwells. With a reminder for us of where the presence of God dwells. And the question is this, how is 
the building of God's temple going in your life? How is the building of God's temple going in your life? How is that going? Let me give you a little background on uh, this book, a little background on the building, the destruction, and the rebuilding of the temple because that's so important. In these two chapters, God prophesies to Haggai about the rebuilding of the temple. Okay, so it's been started, but there was a little bit of a delay, and God comes back and reminds them of the importance of this. So here's a little, uh, little timeline, kind of background of the building of the temple. In 1250 BC, Moses receives instruction on the building of the tabernacle. You remember the long list of uh, specific types of wood and fabrics and things like that that Moses would build to use to build the tabernacle. And so in 1250 BC, Moses constructs uh, the tabernacle. This was essentially the mobile church, um, the mobile presence of God. We know that in the tabernacle, the presence of God was dwelling. Okay, and so in um, so Moses builds the tabernacle, and then almost 300 years later, Solomon begins construction on the temple in 968 BC. The temple in place, the temple of God that was set down in place, and uh, kind of working its way to where we are now. In 586 BC, the Babylonians entered Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took the Jews into exile. All right, so the destruction of the temple happens of Solomon, the temple that Solomon had built uh, happens. And so um, about 50 years later, Cyrus, the Persian, uh, took Babylon and ended the Babylonian uh, empire. And this is hugely important. As Cyrus came along, um, the next year, Cyrus made the decision to release the Jews from exile and allowed them to return to their homes. And he also allowed the rebuilding of the temple in 539 BC. In 538, sorry, in 538 uh, BC. Uh, it, the rebuilding of the temple began. Um, so about 18 years after the rebuilding of the temple went by, um, Haggai receives this word. So the people had been released from exile and God had encouraged them, uh, commanded them to rebuild the temple. And it started, but it was delayed. And for whatever reason it was delayed, I think, I think we're going to see that the people noticed a different direction. They had things around them that maybe they felt were more important, other things that they needed to get to. Um, and so the building of the temple stops. So Haggai steps in uh, with the voice of God. Um, God's kind of seen enough, and this is where he uses the voice of Haggai to communicate his message. Now, it's kind of interesting because in these two chapters, we'll see these two prophecies that Haggai brings uh, from God. And the prophecies start with a question. Um, and I kind of found that interesting. He, God leads with a question, and then he kind of explains a little bit of why he is uh, coming to his people about this. And then I started to think about prophecy through question. And, and I don't know if you've thought about this, but as parents... I think um, if we have a concern or a rebuke or a reprimand sometimes for our kids, I think oftentimes we approach it in question form. I don't know if you realize that you did that, or I, th I think a lot of us do that. But we go to our kids, maybe, maybe you go up to your son's room, and you look around, maybe he's playing video games, and you look around, and it is just destruction in his room. Like, there's stuff everywhere. And, you know, you could just go, son, clean up your room, okay? But, I mean... He knows to do that, right? He knows the things that he should be doing and, and that his room should be clean, I think, if you, maybe if you've taught him that. But I think as a parent, sometimes I'll go in and I'll say, hey, uh, quick question, why is all this stuff on your floor? You know, we ask a question because we want them to answer, 
You know, we don't want to be the one that's always commanding. They know what to do, and so we ask a question to see if they know the answer. We know they know the answer, and we see if they can arrive at it. And so really, when you ask that question, what you're saying is, hey, there's stuff on the floor. It's time to clean it up. You know, that's what we're getting to out of the question. Or you may say, hey, uh, uh, sitting at the dinner table, hey, sweetheart, did you not like the vegetables? Which means, uh, hey, whether you like them or not, you're going to eat them. Um, we kind of get to that. Or maybe son or daughter walks in and you say, hey, have you seen your grades? Um, and they know, they know their grades. They know the answer to that. And you say that because what you're thinking is, I've seen them and they're really not that good. Um, so think about this. We, and for the, for the prophet Haggai, we ask questions because we want them to respond because we know they know the answer. Right? We, want they, we want them to respond because they know the answer. And I think God, through the prophet Haggai, does this. I think the people of God know the importance of the rebuild of the temple, but he invites them to think about what the answer is, and I'm glad that he does. So we're going to uh, jump in, and I'm going to give you just a second because uh, all week I've been like, fumbling through my Bible to try and find the book of Haggai. And this is where you get to do the same thing now. So if you got your Bibles, um, and I really, really hope you do because you're going to need them. Again, I don't put scripture uh, on the screen. This is just kind of something that I do with our students because I want them to be able to navigate the word of God, even if it takes them 10 minutes to find the book of Haggai. So Haggai 1, 2 through 11. Now I'm going to give you a little pointer. If you go to the book of Matthew, which I think you know where the book of Matthew is, and you go back into the Old Testament, three books, you're going to arrive on the book of Haggai. All right, y'all ready? Go find it. Okay, Haggai 1, 2 through 11, 2 through 11. And I do this, I want you to see the word of God in, uh, I want you to see the scripture in the word of God. So it says this, Haggai 1, I'm actually going to start 1 through 11, I'll just start right there at the beginning. Haggai 1, 1 through 11. Um, says this, this is what God speaks uh, to a servant. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So God kind of calls him out on that, right? The people are saying, hey, it's not, it's not time. It's not time for whatever reason. It's not time. We're not there yet. We're not going to continue the rebuild. We've put a halt on it. And then God says, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? The NLT says luxurious while this house remains in ruins. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You ex expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in ruins, while each of you is busy with your own house. Pretty heavy, <laughs> pretty, pretty heavy, but we're going to, in these two chapters, I just want to, I want to present the, the two questions to us that Haggai brings to the people. And the first one is this found in verse four, and the NLT says it this way, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Now, Real quick, before we get into this, I want to be very clear. 
okay? Uh, we have the youth pastors preaching. We have a youth space that is unfinished upstairs. Uh, this is not a message about that, okay? So please hear me. Although, however he convicts, we're going to go with. But please hear me. This is, not, this is not a message about that. This is not a message about that. I believe that this message for us today has more to do with the current temple of God, which is you and me. It has less to do about this physical space that we are in and more to to do about the present temple of God, which is you and me. Back then, the temple was the physical dwelling place of the Most High God. And when you look all throughout the New Testament, because of the New Covenant, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, we see that Paul kind of presents this idea of where the new temple is. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Therefore, honor God with your with your bodies. All throughout the New Testament, uh, uh, the New Testament, the New Covenant, we see this idea being brought about that is no longer about the physical structural temple, but that the temple of God is now you and me. We each individually, you and me, and us collectively as a church now house the presence of God within us. So there was a shift with the New Covenant. And I think when we look at the book of, of Haggai, the prophet Haggai and his message, I think we look today not through a structural lens, but through a personal and individual lens within each of ourselves. Asking the question of the temple being you and me. This is the lens for us today. So when we look at this, what happened that the people of God got so excited to start a project, and then they just put it off. And then they delayed, and God had to come back and say, hey, do you not remember? Do you remember this? I tell you what, I would ask um, men uh, in the room, maybe even husbands in the room out there that love the idea. We love the idea of starting a project, don't we? All right, and wives can amen that. We love the idea of starting a project. We're not too keen on finishing the project a lot of times, right? It just sounds so amazing when you look at a, for me, when I look at a space and I'm like, wow, it could be this, like I could do that with YouTube videos or something. I could do that. I could create that, all right? And you get started, maybe you buy some new tools, that's exciting, and you get started and then all of a sudden, you're kind of like, I don't know, (laughs) that doesn't seem that much, doesn't seem that exciting uh, anymore. This weekend, my wife is on a girl's trip and uh and so she's been asking me for like six months to paint our room, just simply paint our room. And I've been like, oh, yeah, I'll get to it. I'm just really busy. I'm, things, are, things are crazy right now. I'm really busy. But I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And so I made the decision when she left. I was like, you know what? It'd be really nice to finish one of the 10 projects that she's asked me to, uh, to complete. Um, and so, uh, so she left, and, uh, and I started. Like, I started uh, the painting process. Uh, real quick, before I finish this, I'll let y'all know because I had like two or three people come up because I forgot to tell the result. I did finish painting uh, the room just to let you know. But what if, imagine this, thank you. What if uh, she came home and I had made, I had, you know what, I'm going to knock this off the list and I made the decision, I'm going to paint the room and I got halfway through, all the furniture's pulled into the middle of the room, you know, it's like all bunched up because, you know, I didn't want to take it out of the room. So you just move it to the middle of the room, you get paint on everything. 
And I made the decision to just start it, and I got halfway through painting, and she comes home, and everything's in the middle of the room. It's halfway painted, right? What would her response be? See, I think she would be pretty excited that I actually started something, you know, that I'd started something that she did. I think she would be, that first day, would be, she would be excited. She'd be like, oh my, thank you so much, like I've been asking for so long. Thank you so much for doing this. But I think if it stayed like that for two years, uh, I'm thinking that the excitement would uh, begin to dwindle uh, on um, this project and it would slowly turn into frustration. And so I think when we look at why does God come to the people about this, um, I, think, I, think, I think he had seen enough a little bit. The honest truth is I think they got sidetracked. I think they saw more important things that we see in this idea of luxurious homes, more important, what they considered more important things uh, that were going on in their lives that they neglected the work that God had called them to. Now, I don't know about you. I'll speak for me personally, but this is way too often true of my life. This is way too often true in my life, which is why it's just another uh, scripture that Craig asked me to preach on. And I was like, golly, like, why? it's getting, I mean, every single time. So um, it's way too often true, whether that be through decision making and me trusting him and decisions, whether that be through the time that he invites me into in the mornings that I get to spend with him. And sometimes it's the first thing to go. It's way too often true in my life. And I think God is saying this. I think, God, I think what God says here through the prophet is, he's just simply saying, like, do you remember me? And have you forgotten where my presence dwells? And I think that's important for us today, too. Think about, I think about this for the kids uh, that just got back from, they got back from camp. Um, and uh, think about, do you remember the day that you first accepted Jesus? I don't know where that was. I was camp. It's one of the reasons I love like youth ministry and getting to see middle school, high school students, getting to see them follow Jesus for the first time, getting to see the excitement. I think about the kids and the excitement that they uh, got to experience as some of them raised their hands to follow Jesus for the first time. Absolutely amazing. Um, but man, I think about the continued work that they're about to step into. I, th I think about that um, in just a couple years as a middle school, high school student, they're going to see and experience things and have to walk through things that I really uh, don't wish upon them. And, and I, think, I think about the work that God is going to have to do in each of them over the next couple years and throughout their lives. I think about the continued work that is going to happen that sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't feel as exciting as that first can you imagine the people when they first started building the temple? They were probably, they have come out of exile. God has called them to rebuild. They're probably thinking, yes, like we're moving forward. Today is the day. And then it just kind of, it kind of wore off a little bit as the continued work happened. Um, I want to read uh, Philippians 1, 6 real quick. And so this is what Paul says uh, about this for us. I'm actually going to read um, from the NLT. Um, he says this, uh, and I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now, a lot of times I want to focus on the finished work, right? I just want, I want it to be, I want it to be finished, you know? I want the work that he's talking about to be finished. So a lot of times when I see this passage, I go, until it is finally finished, but I want you not to, don't, don't miss this in here. It says, and I'm certain that God will continue his work. 
He will continue. There's a process in there. In one of the songs that we just sang, I uh, haven't heard that song before, but I love it. We sang it over and over and over. The line of the song that says, one thing I know is he'll see us through. He doesn't say one thing I know, I'll see you at the end of this thing. He says, one, one thing I know is I will, he'll see us through. That's what we proclaim. The through is the process. Right? That's the walk in all of this. So I want us to make sure we see too, uh, back in Haggai, hopefully you put a place marker there, Otherwise, you're going to continue to look. But um, uh, jump back to verse 8 in Haggai 1. Because it's important for us to see why, right? The rebuild of the temple happened. It, it didn't just happen. There was a why behind it. There was a purpose to it. And for us, the building of the temple of God inside of us, there's a why to it as well. And I think, I think we're going to see that they're the same. Look at verse 8. Look at what verse 8 says. He says this, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. This, this is, let's make sure that we understand why God was so adamant about them finishing the temple. Not just something so that they, not something that they do, but the finishing of the temple, the process, the continuation of the rebuild was why. It was for the honor and the glory of God. And it's true in our life as well. So here's a question, this, this first question. Is the building of God's temple for his glory in my life carrying the importance that it should? We have uh, Haggai brings about another question in Haggai 2, 1 through 9. Um, let's take a look at that this morning. Haggai 2, 1 through 9, he says, In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and ask them this. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all the people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. And that is key. I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. So here's what's, here's what's happening here. God comes back through, um, through the prophet Haggai to speak to his people again because he's noticing that, yes, they have continued the rebuild of the temple, but the rebuild of the temple just doesn't look as extravagant or as important as the first, as the first temple. And God's got an important message in here. Here's the question that he asks. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? So God's looking down at what they've accomplished, what they're accomplishing, and maybe it's not as impressive. 
Maybe it's not as amazing as the one that the, the first temple that Solomon built. Maybe they're just trying to get through it. Like maybe they, they, maybe they hear what God has said and they're just, okay, well, okay, we hear, God, we hear you. Okay, let's just get this done. Let's get through it. Let's get it over with. Whatever it was, God looks down and is not seeing the splendor of the temple. Um, think with me for a second. Imagine that, um, that you invite a contractor to come to your house and um, they're going to do some work on your house. All right. And the contractor comes in and you're downstairs and you hear work being done. The rooms, the, the bathroom or whatever it is, is being gutted. And when he's done, um, you come back to see that he gutted it and rebuilt it. But he put all the finishes uh, back exactly where they were. All right. My guess is you wouldn't be too happy about that. But think for a second if you came back and you were expecting this like, you know, incredible uh, magnolia uh, type of bathroom, whatever, and you walk in, and not only is it, uh, is it not what you took out, but he has replaced it with some other house's uh, appliances and things like that that are even in worse shape than they were before. And so you come in, my guess is you wouldn't be too excited about his work, uh, and, uh, and you would look at it really in disappointment. I think this makes sense to us. God is, God is simply pointing out that what was created needed to be rebuilt with the same care and concern that he put into it. God, God saw something was missing here. And I think so often the quality and attention that other things in our lives, and this is myself, I'm preaching to me right now, that other things in our lives receives is incredible compared to the building of God's temple in us. We have things in our lives that we put so much time, energy, attention, affection into, all the while giving the smallest bit of detail to the temple of God inside each one of us. And look at what verse 9 says. This is what, this is what I love. Look at what verse 9 says. He says, um, the glory of this present house, and he's talking about the one that's being rebuilt, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. As I was thinking about this, um, I think that's true of, of us individually as the new temple of God. I think God would say this word for word for the new temple, which is us. I think he would say this word for word. I think that he would look at you and say the glory of the present house, of you as the presence, uh, housing the presence of God, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. I think, I think it's true that we have the opportunity to present the presence of God even greater than the beautiful temple did in the Old Testament. And I think that that's why God planned it this way. I think that's why he prepared this story all in advance. The glory of, of this house, of us as the temple of God, will be greater. And so here, this is the question that I've been asking myself, like thinking about these passages of scripture over the last couple weeks. You're welcome to ask the same thing. When we accepted Christ, I believe construction began, right? The rebuilding of, of, of us as the temple of God begins, and it's hard, and it's difficult work. It's challenging work. And I've been asking the question, if Jesus walked in here to, to my temple, what would he find? 
If God walked in, if God, if God stumbled upon it, what would he find in this temple? I think, I think that's a really hard question for us. That's a hard question for us to ask. There's work to be done. We know that it's not finished. God is continuing that work in us. And let me be very clear, it's God's work in us, but it's our coming alongside the work that he has in us. Um, I, I wanna, I'll close with this. Um, I, uh, I'm a huge uh, HGTV fan, and ESPN too, by the way, but a huge HGTV, home garden television, huge fan. Um, I'll tell you, specifically, I love the shows where it's all about complete transformation, right? Where, where they come in to this house and something is a, a house that is ugly and broken and crumbling, maybe infested, old, dirty, nasty. You would not want to live in there. You wouldn't want your worst enemy to live in that kind of house. And with time, with investment, with work, with trusting in the people who are putting in the work, it can be transformed into something beautiful. I love the thought of that because that is essentially our story. That's our story when we talk about us housing the presence of God. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it in uh, his book, Mere Christianity. Some of you might have read that, but towards the end of the book, he says this, talking about us as the temple of God. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking down the house about in a way that hurts abominably and doesn't seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here. He's putting on an extra floor here, running up towers, making courtyards. And you thought that you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. So whether we realize it or not, and for our kids this week who raised their hand to accept Christ, whether they realize it or not, when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to complete transformation. And it is, it is hard. It is hard work. But we say yes to complete transformation, a complete temple rebuild. And so this morning, I would close with this question, just for us personally, and this is um, maybe a difficult question, but question for you this morning, is the, temple of, is the temple of God being constructed in your life today? Is the temple of God being rebuilt and constructed in your life today? And if you want to look a little deeper, and this is the hard part, what areas of your life are you focusing on while neglecting his work in you? I think it's clear, and I think we can be encouraged that he's not finished with us, neither you or me. And we don't want to be finished there either. He desires the care and attention from us that he put into creating us. I love uh, looking into some of the like sciences of what goes on in our bodies and the detail behind us and behind everything around us. I love that because it shows the care, concern, detail that he put into creating us and he desires our temple to be the same let me pray for us father we um we give you thanks this morning just opportunity to study
this book. God, we thank you that in your plan, um, you allow us to be the temple of God that people are going to experience. We, we are the temple that is housing the presence of God. We have the opportunity for people around us to see that. And so, God, let us rebuild the broken, the destruction that was before through your word, through your power, through your working in us and us alongside that, we have the chance, Father, to um, create a space for you to come and dwell within us. And Father, all for the purpose of receiving, you receiving glory. The glory is not ours, but so that the glory that is yours can be given to you. God, thanks for this message. Thanks, thanks for um, just how you convicted me these past couple weeks. And God, I pray that, um, that we would consider the scripture this morning. God, we give you um, all praise, all honor as we continue in worship this morning. Father, it is yours. We invite you to take it. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.